Hi everyone, welcome back to season two of Red Talks. Hi. Hope you all had a good summer. How are you doing, Megan? I'm good, I'm good. Um, I don't actually feel like I've had much of a summer though, but my own fault is because I never go away during the school summer holidays because it costs an absolute fortune. Makes but sense. I'm looking forward to going away soon and having a bit of a prolonged summer. How about you, Matt? I know you've been in Portugal with the farm. How was yeah, that? Yeah, I was in Portugal for a bit and then up in the north of Scotland, which was, which Very was beautiful, nice. so all good. And how are you feeling about season two? Yeah, I am really looking forward to it. Apart from being absolutely shattered because we've just back from our weekend away in Manchester, (laughs) team weekend away, which was so fun, but I am slightly dying still. Um, (laughs) But I am really, really excited for season two. I know we've got some fantastic guests lined up and just some really, really interesting chats. And I kind of feel like we're making a bit more of a difference, a bit more of an impact Mm. with the guests this season. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I must admit, I definitely had a bit of second album syndrome this morning when I woke up. But then I remembered all the amazing guests we've got. And as you say, we're tackling some uh, really, really powerful themes mm. and subject matter this time around. So so really, really looking forward to getting stuck in. Well, yeah, definitely. So I hope you all enjoy. And thanks very much. Enjoy listening. So for the first episode of season two, uh, we're delighted to be chatting to lovely Nikki Coffin, who is the founder of Centred Excellence, which is a leadership and coaching consultancy for recruitment businesses. So I've worked closely with her previously and looking forward to a really interesting chat. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. My pleasure to be here. No problem at all. Um, how are you getting on? Okay. Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, I'd like to say the sun is shining in tropical Scotland, but we've <laughs> obviously had an abundance of it for the last twenty-four hours. So it's gone away. Yes. Uh, yes. Exactly. Sadly, has. as ever, I've got multiple seasons in one day <laughs> in Scotland. In one hour. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, in yeah. one hour. <laughs> so, um, so obviously, we met a few years back um, at a recruitment event, and um, I guess for for those that don't know you or haven't heard of. Um, centered excellence and obviously the magic you work to help uh, recruitment businesses scale up. Could you give our listeners a quick summary of that and, and what you do? Yeah, so we we work with recruitment businesses who mainly sort of two to 20 employees, um, but we also have a lot of people who are like one man, woman bands who really want to scale. Um, and what we do is, and, and I we do this because I've been in the same position myself many years ago. I was trying to grow my own recruitment business and I literally just was having a, a nightmare and like <laughs> two years into having the nightmare, still hitting my head against brick wall. I got very lucky and a lady called Sarah Basley phoned me out of the blue and said, look, I can help you. And she literally transformed my life. Like she taught me things I didn't even know I needed <laughs> to know. And um, like, it really was one of those times in your life I think there's there's certain people you meet where you literally it's like a paradigm shift and she just showed us what we needed to do and and I went from being really very frustrated and and just questioning myself into actually being able to build a really a really great business I loved and when I sold my shares in that I'm like I just wanted to be able to help other people do what Sarah had done for me because it had such a fundamental shift on my entire world um and I was truly indebted and grateful to her but knowing that there doesn't need to be like um it just doesn't need to be as hard as we make it you yeah. just need to learn new skills so so that's why we do what we do and um and we're very fortunate we work with amazing amazing people who just really brilliant at what they do they just maybe don't know how to take it from their head and get other people to to, to implement it uh, or to how to systemize it um, and we just teach them not only how to do that but to actually properly step into their true powers you know so they're doing the stuff that they hate and they're delegating or outsourcing hiring the stuff that they're not so um, good at because there's a, a process behind it but we 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 help people i think to just become happier yeah um with 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 what they're doing and and that is why we do it just yeah we're very lucky vouch for that as well because obviously for me you know as a as a business kind of recruitment owner but not coming from that pure like traditional recruitment background i think when i you know i got to that point well i didn't know what i didn't know in terms of how to scale the business and obviously when i then joined your kind of rocket program 
being one for kind of continuous learning and, you know, I want to sign up and, you know, we, we transformed, you helped us kind of transform the business. I think I definitely had the, the kind of ambition and drive to do it, you know, um, and that kind of mindset, but I just didn't have the tools to do it. Um, and that's where you guys came in. Exactly. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Matt, because like 90% of it comes from you. We just, we just point you in the right direction. And, and, you know, cause I think we just make it building our businesses can be people complicate it significantly and it can actually be really simple, but what happens is we get bored. I think certainly if you're an entrepreneur and yeah. like it's one of the things we call it shiny squirrelitis because you're always <laughs> looking for like that next best thing. And we just thrive on variety, but actually when you, when you look at the nuts and bolts of building business, that there's some key steps or key systems that you need in place and it's it's knowing what those are because there's a zillion things you could do but actually what's the stuff that's going to really work and, and that's you're right like then not everybody will get the same results as you yeah. but put your drive and determination and persistence and follow through into the systems then yeah. it's happy days yeah for yeah. everyone really now it must be really amazing for you to kind of watch the businesses transform you know when people come to you, they're frustrated and you're not sure where to go and maybe hit a bit of a brick wall. And then you know, you've got, you know, all that experience, but you've seen, you see it happen live and you're watching and, and going and going through that journey with these business, business owners and leaders. It must be brilliant. Yes. It, it's a very humbling experience. And um, I, I tell you, there's nothing that makes Casey or me happier than when we see somebody who goes from like questioning themselves and who they are to coming back and just with confidence. And they're just like, they're like, I love, I love what I do now. And, and, um, you know, I just feel so much happier, more confident. And then you see them, I mean, also getting great results, but like the impact that then has on their family, mm their team, you know, everything else. It's just like this massive ripple effect. And that's the reason why we do it because it just, it really, I am truly grateful that we have got the skills to do that. But like the experience of seeing people change, it brings tears to my eyes, like of <laughs> happiness. I honestly, it's, it's really cool. It really makes our hearts sing. As yeah. you say that impact on the kind of wider, their wider world as well, not just the, the work, the workspace. Um, and, and, you know, on the program, you talk a lot about mindset. You talk a lot yes. about getting clarity. Um, and I just, it'd be good if you could kind of just talk through that a bit for us in terms of that approach. Yeah. So um, I, it might be worthwhile sort of sharing a bit of my story on this because um, I, so I think with a lot of entrepreneurs, like from a very young age, I I just, like to be in control of my money, basically my destiny. And my parents were really um, tight on pocket money. So we, <laughs> we were never, we never had very much money. So I'm like, right, I'd need to go and sort this out myself. So I was very driven. I worked a very hard worker from a very young age and then got into recruitment. I actually purposely wanted to get into recruitment. A lot of people I know fall into it, but I actually, I'd, I'd seen the, what other people were earning. I'm like, oh, that'd be pretty cool. Anyway, so I, I got into recruitment and did very well, very quickly. Um, but what happened was um, sort of built and then, you know, built this business up. But like, it was just, and I, in hindsight, this is just, I think, how uh, society was. Like, it's all about, like, succeeding, driving, making money and, like, you know. Mm. And so I ended up having a lot of stuff. But I, could, I the reason why I wanted it was to make myself happy. And then I, like, ended up with all of this, you know, these trappings of success. And I still felt, I still just didn't feel very good if I'm being totally honest. I wouldn't say I was um, depressed, but I said, I said I would be like clinically unhappy. And I'm like, geez, oh, like what's, what's the purpose of this? And this, I think also sort of ties in, you know, with, I'm going to call it midlife crisis, but like this sort of hit, hit me around about sort of 29, 30 years old. And I'm like, there's got to be more to life than just working, you know, really crazily. And I am, um, I actually almost burnt myself out from working so hard. And that I, I, 
I decided I needed to make a change at that point, and I, um, which is actually why I'd sold the shares in my business because I'm like, this didn't feel great. And I don't know why I decided to do this, but like I, I stopped. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had like literally the world was my oyster. And um, I'd done a bit of NLP stuff with Sarah Basley, but just really basic stuff. And, and um, my background, I also played international sport for many years. I played rugby. And um, I was like, do you know what? It'd be really good to become like a mental um, skills peak performance coach for elite athletes when you know at those moments when you're under pressure um you know pencil kick or i don't know you're doing a shootout you've got somebody who's highly skilled but they just mess up and like it's like what's going on there because it's not a skill thing it's not really something that's going on on with their head so i actually found a guy who specialized in doing nlp with sports people and my plan was to work with elite athletes on their mental their mental state but there was a couple of processes as you go through the nlp practitioner and i when i then took it way beyond that um but the first thing i got rid of my anxiety my unhappiness um disappeared and i was just really? like it was like someone just switched this light back onto life and i'm like oh my god i just i just like felt really good and then i was like god as a manager of people there was some techniques in it i'm like that would have been really good to know those. So I said to my friend, Soph, who is a, who is an architect, she is another recruiter and she does, uh, totally got, got a name. It's a financial <laughs> services, actuarial. That's yes. it. She's a really, she's a really good actuarial recruiter. So, so can I just like test a couple of these techniques out on you? And, um, did a, two sessions with her, nothing linked in the recruitment, but her billings doubled. Two months later, I'm like, that is very interesting. <laughs> um, can't be a so I had another, and I had another of my friends had an IT recruitment business. And I said, look, can you give me a couple of your guys who like work, who are hard workers, but maybe not performing at the level that they should be? And again, a couple of sessions with them, two guys specifically, one who was doing, in, in the world of recruitment, we call these like placements billings. So he's doing about £6,000 at the time. But a couple of sessions later, he, his billings, they went to 18000 into 40,000 a month. And I'm just like, holy schmoly, what's going on here? And the other guy you hadn't billed for nine months started billing again. And the MD phoned me up and said, Nikki, what, what have you done with my guys? It's like, you're some sort of white witch. And, um, and I went, no, actually, it's basically these, these patterns um, that we've, we've, we've inherited from a very young age that have, like hold us back. Anyway, so that... Um, from those sort of experiences, I'm like, right, okay, we've got something pretty, pretty mind blowing here. And so, I then started working with you know recruiters and then and then managers. But what happened was because I could really get to the crux of the problem very quickly. Like after two sessions, I was constantly having to do BD. Mm. So my <laughs> my then coach is like, Nikki, you need something else which is more sort of sustainable. Um, and that's when I set up um, this management training program at the time, which that then kept, that's then grown in over the years into rocket. So we've amalgamated the mindset stuff with the the structural stuff, and then also becoming in alignment with your purpose. And this is why one of the reasons why people get such significant results because they they just get in alignment with themselves and it's just like this laser beam of energy that then sort of moves forward rather than sort of being all over the place. Mm-hmm. So and 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 the thing about and again if I hadn't have gone through the whole sort of change process myself, I don't think I would have believed the difference it would have made. But it was so fundamentally life changing. I mean I did my master prac, I then trained to become a psychotherapist because I just needed to know what was going on in like these patterns in, in your mind, these neuro pathways that like, if you can unlock them, like literally just you know, your whole reality in your world and what you experience changes from the inside out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so that's basically what we did. Brilliant. And what we do. Wow. <laughs> There's loads to kind of unpack there. <laughs> so much to mull over. Yeah. Wow. Um, and you talked, obviously you talked before about when you were younger, you kind of, 
you were very driven because you didn't receive, you didn't get much pocket money and you know you kind of it was that probably money and financial incentive there but obviously you talked about sport being such a massive part of your life as well what age did you kind of start playing sport because i think that that you know i mean if you played rugby you played rug, rugby internationally did you say i did that yeah would, that would drive you too surely well i think i mean this is a thing every single one of us has got something an innate gift within us and there's many different ways that that can play out you know for me it happened to be sports Mm. for other people it could be I don't music it could be gaming it could be um anything really that you've got a passion in I mean I just I happened just to be really good at sport but I (laughs) Also, like the school I went to, there was there were only three girls in my year, so we just had to play with the boys. So, and it, like for me, it was just brilliant because I loved to play football and I loved mm. absolutely loved to play rugby. But and this is going back sort of thirty five years ago, maybe even more than that actually, probably forty years ago, where it wasn't the done thing for girls to be playing any type of male-dominated sport. Mm. But I had to. It was, um, and it was just the most amazing thing. And then I was told at age twelve I wasn't allowed to do it anymore. So I'm like, right, I'm going to show you. By, by a teacher? <laughs> yeah, or? who told you? By my headmaster. Right. My really? headmaster called me in, and I can see why he did. Like you know, pubescent boys and um, <laughs> pubescent <laughs> girls. It's not the great mix, but um, I was really, really cross with him. Yeah, and, and, how, and there was just um, no alternative, did... though. It wasn't like okay, so you can't play with the boys, but you know what? We'll form a girls' team. There was no alternative there. It was just you can't play anymore. Yeah, well, there are only wow. three girls, so well, yeah, um, <laughs> it would be a pretty and small like team. If... You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I did, I mean, I could play hockey and I could play netball, but it was for me, I, my, I just loved rugby, even from a very small age. So I just said to him, look, just watch this space because I'll prove you, prove you wrong. And then so as soon as I got to uni and there was a girls, you know, women's rugby team there, I, mean, I was all over it. But um, I, I do think it's about finding your passion because I definitely had an inherent tenacity and perseverance. And like, I um, would always push myself beyond what, you know, what I needed to, but it wasn't like somebody was telling me to do it. It was like an Mm. internal drive. Um, But I think everyone has got that. You just need to find what that bit of passion is. Um, You know, what's the thing you're passionate about and you love to do. And, and that experience then, I'm really interested in that experience where I kind of want to go a little bit deeper into the England rugby thing, um, just in terms of, so when when did you start playing for England? What what kind of age? Yeah, so when I, um, so when I went to university, there was, um, a, we met a woman in the pub who played for Wasps yeah. and she said, oh, come on down, um, we've got women's teams. So I ended up doing that. And then the guy who was our coach, was um England students coach and I yeah. like I mean I was I was I was pretty good um at that stage. So I then got into the England students team and then um you, you just <laughs> it went from there. But like I mean this is before uh, women's sport went professional and yeah. But also we were, I was very fortunate to be playing for England versus say some of the other home nations because um, we just had some really strong women in, in, in the system who pushed and pushed and pushed, like they must've been the bane of the men's life and, and rightly so. So in like 1997, we went, we went on a tour to New Zealand. And so all of us were, were full-time it, you know, had full-time jobs yeah. and you'd sort of squeeze training in and in and around that. And you were recruiting at this time as well, right? This is when you were yeah. recruiting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So like, you know, like 12-hour days. So I, yeah. But I'd get up at five, go to the gym for a couple of hours, go into work and then um, leave at six and go rugby training. So like it was, mm. it was really full on, um, but I loved it. But we went to New Zealand and we got absolutely hammered by them. It was just, it was mortifying. It was like 67 nil. And I just, it was one of those experiences. Like, it's like, we can't let this continue. And off the back of that, Carol Isherwood, who's still very involved, um, she managed to get funding from, I think it would have been the lottery actually at the time to help us. And then that's when things started to really change. We still was 
we weren't professionals, but we were given like our own PTs. We had proper nutrition. We had like proper strength um, and conditioning. And it was just like, that was a, a game changer. Yeah. And from, I mean, from, from there on in, it just, it became like, it was a proper, a proper um, professional sport. And quite a few of the girls did go either semi-pro and a couple of them were lucky enough to just go sort of fully pro. I also loved recruiting. So I was like, I always had a, sort of a foot in both camps. Um, but yeah, so that's, and and then, you know, I would have, I think my last game was probably in the World Cup in 20, in 2002. Um, wow. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a great time. It was I mean, really good. That, that is fantastic. I mean, I'm really interested in your thoughts around, so just women's sport in general now, and obviously particularly women's rugby compared to where women's football has now got to in England and, you know, yeah. the, the investment behind that and obviously the success they've had winning, winning Euros, filling out Wembley. Wembley. Do you think rugby is on, is on a trajectory? Oh, yes. Like oh, that? my God, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I'd be really interested it's, to hear your um, thoughts on that. Yeah, okay. So... Here's the thing. Um, I, I, I'm I'm lucky because my my I've got some very close friends who like the 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 women who really started the movement in rugby. Mm. So I know I know the journey and what the journey's been. It's similar in football, and it's been like people have been really chipping away and pushing and pushing and setting up amazing stuff. I reckon it's it's for at least forty years, and it's like this tipping point, and it's been getting it's been getting more and more momentum. So. I'd, I was in Manchester just before the the final, the the Euro final, and like literally, I took a photo of it because I'd never seen it ever. It was this massive like billboard yeah. on the side of a building saying "Good luck to the lionesses." I'm like, it's brilliant, and yeah. but it's the what's it's like. I don't know whether you've ever read the book, um, the Tipping Point, where it's yeah. almost like it builds, and then as soon as it goes over, it's just like got this momentum, and that's that's also happened in rugby, so you might not, it's maybe not on the same scale because, you know, it's not Wembley, but um, in the last two years, they have, they've been filling out, there's like major stadiums. And we went to uh, one of the Six Nations earlier this year. And as it came out of the train station, I'm like, where are all these people going? And then I was <laughs> like, oh, they're going to the match. And like, but there were like hordes and hordes and hordes of people. And like, you know, it was just amazing. These young youngsters you know like signing you know it's standing up to get their signet yeah. you know the the book signed but um we've Sue Day has managed who's the she's the FD so we've got some people in some some good places in um within the rugby association now so Sue Day who played rugby for England she's the FD of the RFU and she's one of you know, her and um, Jill Burns and Carol Ishwood and Sue Dorrington, you know, t- to mention Debs Griffiths, you know, who uh, for years and years and years just been really influential in changing mindsets and what's happening within in the sport. But um, England have got the World Cup and their aim is to get a sellout crowd at Twickenham. Yeah. So watch this Brilliant. space because in the next couple of years, you'll see that happening. Wow. Well, I think that um, yeah, it will. I, I remember, yeah, it will happen as well. I, do, yeah. I remember the Six Nations, and I, and I do think what well, this Six Nations, the one just gone, definitely seemed felt like it had a lot more kind of publicity around it um, for the women's the women's um, fixtures massively. Yeah, and, it, and, and it's when, so when people yeah, so people like Sky picked it up. So when um, this is probably going back three or four, maybe four or five years ago, they started doing like these awesome internationals. Sky picked it up and like the exposure that Sky have given, I mean, it's just made a big, big difference. Yeah. But it's, there's, there's a lot of people who've been, I can't even think the world, just uh, really working hard for years and years and years. And it's just the movements, the movements, ha- you know, been happening, yeah. but it's like yeah. just, just growing like, arms and legs. It's great. Kind of curve, but yeah. getting there. Well, well, I think actually football was behind rugby. To be honest, yeah. what happened was, um, and again, it's just certain influential people. So there's, you know, I don't know that much detail, but I, it all comes down to money, really. Mm-hmm. And um, 
there's a ama- an amazing woman called Sue Campbell, who's like a non-executive who is in the FN. She went out and got tens of millions of pounds worth of funding from Barclays for women's rugby. Now that amalgamate that on top, not rugby for women's football, yeah. amalgamate that on top of all of the other work that's been doing that makes it a significant difference. So if you look at what's happened with the cricket, the hockey, you know, it's brilliant. tennis, um, swimming, you know, all of these sports where women have had to battle it's, it's starting to starting to change and you know the more exposure that we can get but also the quality of the game has really increased like it's a great get those it's just great spectator games like yeah. really great yeah. to watch and i think that's made a difference as well it's great that we're finally getting there with the equality oh yeah mm-hmm. getting, yeah really good it is. Um, and I think as well, like when you were talking about, you know, playing rugby alongside being a recruiter, I just kind of want to explore the dynamics there a little bit because, you know, both are very performance driven environments, aren't they? Um, yes. But then was it challenging going from maybe like, you know, a dressing room environment where brutal honesty is expected when you're playing rugby and then having to change that and be kind of so polite and professional for your client <laughs> and customer facing role as a recruiter? Like how how did that work for you? Did you ever find that really challenging? Or? That's, that's assuming you were polite. Well, yeah. Wow, <laughs> were yes. you a bit of a savage um, recruiter? <laughs> well, here's the thing. And I think sports and business are almost identical you know if you think of like the ultimate ultimate team game in terms of running a business building a business communicating with your you know with with your teammates um motivating your teammates it's it's identical to being in 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 a team sport you know like perfecting your and mastering your, your 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 skill levels training and you know just pushing yourself outside your comfort zone so the way that we um you know, worked as a team on the pitch, how we spoke to each other would be identical to how I would work with my team. You know, it was competitive fun, but you were, you know, you you couldn't swear or shout at people. You're not going to get the results that you want from doing that. You're going to, you're going to communicate in in an effective, in an effective manner. Mm -hmm. So uh, to be honest, I run my recruitment business as if we were like a top performing rugby team, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, and, you know, we had our uh, roles and responsibilities, our expectations. People were in um, roles with their, their, their key strengths. If yeah. people were struggling, then we would support and train them. Or And if someone didn't want to be in the team, then that was OK, too, you know, like, mm-hmm. um but we'd had a level of expectation that if you're in this business and this is, you know, you have got to be open and um, open to coaching and open to sort of continual, continual growth and learning and you, that you treat people the way you want to be treated yourself. Mm. And I don't know, that's how I, uh, my, yeah. I felt my, my, my role as like captain of the recruitment business was like, I've got this amazing group of people and I just need to facilitate the greatness out of them and then get them working really well together, which yeah. is identical to as you would do on a on sports team. Yeah. You know, your your striker's gonna have different skill sets to your goalie and the way that you talk to your goalie is gonna be different than you'd speak to your striker, but like you need to work out how you're going to, to get the best out of both of them. Mm. And you talked about, um, you know, yeah, you're right, though. It's all about continuous improvement, I think, in recruitment. And then I imagine it's the exact same in rugby. But you talked as well about, like, obviously, when you then, you know, you uh, you started to play at more professional level and you, you got PT. So how much, like, kind of mindset training was there? Was there, like, how much did mm-hmm. they focus on that aspect of training? Yeah, too? we didn't really know. We did a little bit of visualisation. Mm. We didn't really know about this stuff mm. back then, to be yeah. honest. Um, and it's interesting because one, one of the guys I work with, um, uh, um, a Commonwealth gymnast and I think some of, uh, certainly, certainly some of the stuff that I do now, a lot of people don't know about, which is one of our missions. It's like, you know, we, we need to get the word out about these, these ways that you can unlock like significant performance from yourself by undoing uh, these patterns from, from within. And one point about saying with the gymnast is like there's certain tools that even he doesn't know about that that I know about Mm. now. Um, 
And so I think I don't know. We not not a lot. A lot of it was you've you've either got it or you haven't. Um, and as I said, like we did a little bit of visualization and just maybe state management with using sort of breathing just to calm yeah. your heart rate down. But that was probably as far as it went. It's a shame, isn't it? Because I mean, I know it's such a big part of not just sport now, but like obviously the way you run your business, Nikki, and then the way that you run yours, Matt. Like I think it's just such a big part of most environments now there's that focus on it and it's a shame that I think you know it has only been in more recent years that we've actually come to realize that I know my my boyfriend played played rugby um and when he was at Hawks he said they had one night a week a week that was just kind of mindset training it was all about your mindset and how you mentally approach things and he always thought it was such a waste of time (laughs) he was always kind of like oh skip that night it's not the physical training it doesn't matter and now he's all about mindset and like it was only a couple of years ago but we were chatting about it last night and he was like god I wish I'd (laughs) utilized that at the time like he was also studying and he was like imagine what an effect that would have also had on you know his mentality towards uni the way that he you know studied for degree it would have had such a positive impact so it's great that people are actually realizing it now though and I think I think also the other thing to realize is that that you know they're now able to prove a lot of it scientifically which they didn't have that um the level of the research or data analysis you know they they just didn't have it and Where we where we stand today, there's so you know like this fundamental evidence. If you do this, you know this is going to increase by this percentage. And and I don't know. I'm a person who needs facts and evidence. Yeah. As as well as like the experiment experiential, you know that it that it works in order to start doing something. Mm. And 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 there's just so much that people still don't know. Like you know. Um, it's this this magical stuff that you can connect into, and but it just could sound a little bit woo woo unless you had <laughs> yeah. had the evidence behind it. I don't know, like there's stuff that we do on a daily basis. There's things that happen that you just couldn't explain. Like where's that come from? Which are like an amazing opportunities. There is a science now behind it that that people can prove, but it up until until you know. Two three years ago, people would have thought you're going crazy. Yeah. Said about some of the experiences that you had, and I think people are sometimes just scared of the not knowing, aren't they? Um, but so obviously, self improvement is a massive, massive thing to you. Um, but what areas, like outside of sport and outside of the business, like do you have a real passion for self improvement anywhere, like in any other aspect of your life? Like, oh god, yeah. So I think when I, once I realised the power of uh, you know, like we only use one percent of our our brain, and like mm. the power of our minds is just like unfathomable, unfathomable. Um, and when, once I realised, you know, if I'd been taught, if you just reprogrammed your mind or actually worked on reprogramming your mind, the difference that that makes, I would have start. I would have really focused on it um, years ago. So I'm I'm a consistent meditator so I meditate mm-hmm. every single day for like a, an hour an hour to an hour and a quarter every single day and to be honest I mean that's where I've, I've that's where I focus a lot of my um energy like learning uh, about the power of of meditation energy intention consciousness um and just like perfecting that skill I don't think I'd ever perfect it to be honest um do you use so an app? What do so you, much more. How do you do it? Do you like? I um, I so the person I follow is a guy called uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh, okay. Um, and he's 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 an American guy. He's a neuroscientist. Um, but he, he, they study fields of quantum physics, epigenetics, um, uh, genealogy, biology, chemistry, physics. And it's done, he, the, the work that he then does is um, through a certain um, way that we meditate. Mm. And um, I don't know, I, I've, I, I do at least two of his events a year and just some of the things I've seen with my own eyes and experienced, I just, it blows my mind. It's, um, it's the most amazing thing ever. People who instantaneously heal from things like cancer, blindness um people who are deaf who are not deaf anymore people who stand out and start walking from wheelchairs uh, like 
unbelievably amazing. Yeah, really, really. What was the guy's name again? Sorry, just think so. There's a guy called Dr. Joe Dispenza, D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-E-R. And it like the place to start would be on YouTube and just look at some of his testimonials. And the thing I like about him is because it everything is scientifically based and they've got absolutely tons and tons and tons of tons of um, evidence and research now. Um, and a lot of the people I meet at these events, as well as, you know, people who, are, uh, you know, any, any form of business type will be there, but there's a lot of, I meet a lot of scientists, physicians, um, engineers, um, uh, computer scientists, a lot of people who've come from very sort of analytical backgrounds who are like, and then who get really sick or something significantly bad happens in their life and they sort of wake up, there's got to be more than this. And then they find Joe Dispenza and then just see what is possible for you in, 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 in the world. So wow. Well, That's amazing. in the non world, have to look them up. I know. I you should have a look. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's where, that's to cool. be honest, that's where I spend the majority of my time mm. Um, mm. is with him. And and I know you you kind of, I'm pretty sure remembering from kind of the programs that you do, there's an element of a little bit of kind of meditation in there and, and that that side of things as well. At least mm. kind of getting clarity. Around. Yeah, we use visualization. Yeah, yeah we, we use visualization. visualization. Um, and then there's a couple of. Um, I suppose tools that we use, which like link into your subconscious, mm, yeah. because that's where all ch- all change happens in your subconscious mind. So, um, when you like, we, we yeah, there's certain exercises that we do that on the the face of it look like you're walking up and down and asking a few questions, but you do it and then you something just lands in you and you're like, you know, mm-hmm. something fundamentals change within me and then amazing things start to happen off the back of it yeah and and obviously so just going kind of back to business kind of perspective as well just so you're obviously kind of a founder entrepreneur um centered how long how long's the kind of centered excellence business been running now yeah we'd, we'd believe it or not we're in our 14th year um it's like gone really quickly (laughs) so um yeah i know um yeah so oh sorry gone i was just going to say in terms of that kind of experience then from you know start to kind of where you are now i'm thinking just what just the kind of highs and lows obviously covid came along you know the c word uh, back a few years how would that how did that impact your your business obviously you were all about i know a lot of it was kind of remotely done but uh, the big hitting stuff was you know where everyone was meeting up and ne- it was all about networking and that sort of thing yeah how, how did that all kind of impact you it was it was interesting because we changed our mindset on the whole COVID thing mm. and um there's a really really cool book called um feel free to prosper and i would recommend i really would recommend people reading that certainly now as we, like this is doom and gloom and you know mm. the r words sort of you know coming in anyway we just reframed it it's like so we said right imagine covid is like this challenge that's in front of us imagine that is the biggest shift for us to move our business to the next level mm-hmm. and i don't know we clicked into a different place um and we we absolutely thrived in covid um and to be honest like it totally changed the way that our business is structured the way that it's delivered but like it, we we really changed we we grew significantly and um and i would say it's because of, we, of how we looked at it and, and one of the things that um marilyn Genet talks about in her book is you know it's you don't talk about recession talk about progression yeah. so you know like and one of our clients like literally took it and he had, I mean, he's got a very profitable business, but his target was 6 million. He did 60 million in 12 months, but he said it's because he changed his mindset. Like we're talking about progression guys. How do we use the situation mm. to get even better, to push the boundaries, how we need to think outside the box. And he totally blew out of, of the water. And and we did that same as well. Like, I don't know. Mm. We, 
we're like we need to be in a place where we can serve our clients to the best levels. So how do we need to turn up and who do we need to become? And, um, you know, like when we open our eyes each morning, who is it that we, we, we want to be and like being really intentional on that person as a leader and then just doing it, just, we have the same, like just JFDI, you know, like be that person. Um, even though like sometimes you don't know what the hell you're doing. Like <laughs> suddenly with that first bit of COVID, like no one knew, like it just was like the world was going like a million miles per hour. And then there's sort of different sort of stages, but it's just like, right, let's just shop and serve and do, do what we need to do to, to make sure everybody else sort of leverages themselves up as well. So were you ever, the, yeah, it's were been you ever good. Obviously I know you, you're, a pos- you're extremely positive and you know optimistic was there ever a point where you just thought yeah. do you know what actually i'm not sure here you know it's a bit scary it's a bit scary you know at the beginning yeah. i think a lot of us were quite yeah. uh, unsettled about whether our businesses would still be around and the- totally yeah it's so funny because katie and i had, I had a conversation because we could quite easily have just said right let's put our feet up mm. and yeah. not do anything and we had that conversation and then I think it took about 20 minutes. Katie phoned me up and said, I can't do that. She's like, I can't do this. Yeah. She's like, that's not what we're here to do. Yeah. And I'm like, no. too bloody right. Let's just yeah. do this. And um, of course it was scared. And I'm not being funny. Like every day I had to get hold of my monkey mind that was mm. going all over the place, yeah. sit my body down meditate get myself into a different mindset and then i take action and like that's i mean to be honest i do that every day because i would know if i if i let my the chimp the chimp mind talk then it's just a different reality will happen so i just can i don't you can't ever control it but you can certainly um change change it yeah so yeah that's another great book the the chimp paradox is a good one isn't it totally (laughs) yes steve Steve peters oh yeah yeah. definitely Mm. that's a really great book for sports people again because it just puts it into like terms that make sense i would really recommend that book yeah it's Mm. great and and obviously again going back to that kind of covid time and since then you know recruitment as an industry obviously there was initial wobble and all the hell's going on here but then everything kind of took off and recruitment as an industry and a lot of recruitment companies have done very well in the past couple of years um obviously that's positive for you but but given that what you're doing is kind of helping recruitment leaders do that and maybe some of them were kind of doing it that off their own court just because the business you know the the job vacancies were coming flying in i know it's been a kind of candidate short kind of market but did you notice an element of, you know, obviously you said you had a good period then, but if you look at the dynamic of who was coming to you, what size of business and when, what situation those businesses yeah. were, were they in better shape when they came to you? No, <laughs> people, were, people were in, people were in a bit of a pickle. Um, and, and, and I'd like to sort of say something like, we've, we've, I mean, we've grown as a business, but has it been easy? Absolutely not. And I think this is one of the realities is we think like we get to a certain place, it's going to be, you know, plain sailing, that never happens. There's always something else, but it's about how you sort of deal with it. Um, the, the clients that we had coming in and uh, it's sort of different types of people. So in COVID, um, we had a lot of people who, who's literally their businesses got turned off overnight. So everything got switched off and they were like, Oh my God, like, how are we going to like literally yeah. survive, yeah. pay our mortgage? So we had, had people coming in, um, and in a level of anxiety and panic and like, what the hell do I do? So we had, but we also had to, we taught them a totally new way. We got, this is where about, I don't know what we totally manifested this, but we just happened to have, um, a training with a coach who taught us this new way to, to do business in it would have been February 2019. Yeah. yeah. So like four Good weeks timing. before COVID started. <laughs> yeah, honestly, she we we learned this new way to to, to market. Yeah. And then COVID hit and everything shut down. And we're like, well, we just need to teach our guys this new way to, to do it. And so that's what we spent. We then all of our existing clients. I kept hold of them all. We're like, right, this is, we, we need to implement this new strategy. So all of our existing clients came through it and then we were able, so we took them through like phase one and then we started then reaching out to, to the market to say like, we've got 
this thing that will really help you to generate jobs. Yeah. So we brought people into this this process, and then um, so we changed what we were doing for probably eighteen months, and then things went nuts again in a good way, like mm. tons of jobs, yeah. no candidates. So like we then had to flip that process on its head, and then we sort of brought Rocket back in because then people were hiring again, and they needed yeah. help with managing people and and hiring people for their teams. So it's sort of gone through like a. Uh, you know, an unusual journey, but I think that the thing about it is like, you've got to have the flexibility. Um, and, it, but it, this is where it's like that book is so important because it's about it's the words that you use in your head on, on how you feel on a day-to-day basis that will then mean that will have an impact on the action that you take. And then the, the opportunities that fall into your, into your lap. And it's then about having flexibility to, to take up those opportunities yeah. And yeah. and just to to progress and move forward. I, I think I mean I find myself doing that. You, know, you you let sometimes those kind of negative thoughts come in, and you you do have to kind of talk yourself around, don't you? And, and then as soon as you do talk yourself around, you start having those more positive mental thoughts. Things mm. do improve. So, but if only I'd known totally. that twenty years ago, you know, longer thirty years ago, you know, you kind of think what a, what an impact it would have had on all the other stuff I've done throughout my life if I'd just been able to to flip that round. Mm. Uh-huh. It's about the reframe, isn't it? Yeah, like, you know, I, I call I call it like the positive pivot. You yeah. know, a lot of people focus on what don't they want to happen. You're like, um, and it's just <laughs> what you know, so what do you want to happen instead? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's but I when I learned that, Matt, I reckon I had to say that to myself, I don't know, 50 times a day for like seven months <laughs> to like retrain that pattern because yeah. it was so ingrained and looking at the negative mm. and just, you know, what's going to go wrong? And, I you know, you're in this fight or flight. Type yeah, and you said thing. that at the beginning, yeah. didn't you? Like around how it's it's almost like that you brought up in society, to, you know, particularly in Britain, it's quite, it can be quite a negative kind of like, oh no, you know, that, what will happen if, you know, that might happen, this might happen. And actually, you know, it's like, what could go right? You know, how this, how is this going to go where I want it to go? And, and it's a real flip, but I think once you can do that, everything changes. It does. I remember somebody saying to me, if you look at the, the mentality of a, of a country by the soaps that they watch. <laughs> so if you think of ours, like you've got like EastEnders, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, happy, happy, joy, like, joy. Yeah. Coronation Street, you know, like, mm. and it's, and then you look, look at US, and like, this is going back years, but like, <laughs> like have Dallas and Dynasty, yeah. like, we're like, you know, like really quite. Mm fun and, and and naughty but like if you look at the the americans they are very good at reframing yeah. and there's a mm. i mean it's a huge generalization but i would say generally they're a more positive mindset than potentially the the uk and um but you don't have to follow that the, the masses and you mm. your unconscious mind is there basically all change happens at an unconscious level but it it can't um, process a negative. And it basically, if you ask it for something, it will go and get it. So if you say, oh, I don't want to worry about such and such, it doesn't hear the don't, it just mm. focuses on the worry. Yeah. So if I say to you, don't think of a purple elephant doing a handstand <laughs> on the desk, just don't think about it. Like what happens is you like immediately think about that elephant and, and your brain does that to make sense of what I'm saying. It has to, to think about it, to not think about it, but also your unconscious mind will do whatever you tell it to do. So if you want it to do something, you need to be really specific. I want to achieve this, or I'd like to get that, or I'd like to have this, or how amazing would it be if we did, I don't know, 200 grand's worth of billings. This And be specific about what you want, the intent, and then you've got to um, unhook the need to have it. Because if you don't have it and you notice that you don't have it, you're basically wishing that coming from a place, you're wishing and you're coming from a place of lack that you don't have it. And then that will create more lack. So you've got, that's why you've got to get clear on what you want, specify what you want, get yourself into the emotional set point as if you've got it now. So you'd feel really grateful or really happy that it's happening now and then um, let it go. It's like, it'd be amazing for it to happen, but, and then you've got to stop. Yeah. Just, just let it happen. And then get, get curious about um, how and what's, you know, what's in front of you. 
Yeah, and I think that's I, I think that's interesting because just listening to like both of you um saying that, you know, it did take you a while to realize that though and to learn that and be able to kind of implement that in your own lives. Um and I think that's the lucky thing, like looking at it from a generational perspective, because mm-hmm. we love a generational we perspective on this podcast, <laughs> don't we, about, Matt? Yeah. Um but looking Absolutely, at it Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um but looking at it from a generational perspective, like I think my generation are lucky in the fact that, you know, we've been talking about mindset and that there's much more awareness around mental health now and around having the right mindset and how that can then impact your life. But, and I think as a, um, as a society as well, we are becoming much, you know, we're becoming much more aware of that. And maybe just Britain in general at the UK are becoming maybe a more positive, we are having a more positive outlook, but I still think that that's very hard to then implement in your own life. So, you know, even if, I am aware of that myself. I think that it then, it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to be able to implement it or like, you know, have that in my life. Um, So I think it's almost something that it's a generational thing. And as a generation, as Gen Z, we are more aware of the benefits of having a good mindset. But then I think it comes with age being able to actually make it work for you. So it's it's a tricky one. No, not not necessarily. I think you just need to find, you need to find a teacher who will teach you how to do it. So mm. I think if I look at um, like, you know, Gen X, for example, mm. like one of the things that's really noticeable is that you do jobs that you love to do. It's not you're not doing something to, to like get a big house or, yeah. you know, to, to get stuff. You want something that you're passionate about. And that's a really great start because you do stuff that you love. So you 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 fundamentally feel better mm. than doing a job that you hate because you want to pay the mortgage for example. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing with this. There is, there are steps behind it. There's formulas behind doing this. And it's just about learning. It's learning a new skill. And yeah. like we didn't, we didn't know about it because we didn't have teachers that were in our world mm-hmm. at the time. But they then turned up, they turned up later. But teachers are always, they've been there for thousands of years. Yeah. Um and, and so for any anybody um anyone can do this you just just need to find somebody who teaches you how to, to link in and to, to to change it and there's so many different angles that it can, can come from whether it's meditation or yoga or mm. or um mindfulness or i don't know um you know music or um there's many different ways to basically change the way that you you feel and the way that you think it's just and it's just learning how to do it there are a yeah. lot of I mean, good, good books as well yeah. out there at the moment. I think it's so much content. Really yeah. yeah. On this. If you, I'm sure that between us, we could give you, you know, give you a list okay. of about 10 <laughs> that would be on this, along these lines that would be really, really Oh, yeah. Really I'll take helpful. you up on that. Yeah. Some of my top books mm. would be, um, some of these are a bit out there though, right? So, so um the ones that I started, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm bearing my soul to you now. Right? I like That's that you're looking at your bookshelf yeah, um, as you say this. You know, you're actually staring yeah, yeah. at your bookshelf, like, right, what's my top ten on here? I'm, well, I'm just. There's some which my people might think I'm slightly crazy if I say what they are. But the first thing I started with, which really made me begin to question, like, the reality was the secret. And I read yeah. the book, The Secret, but I'm like, that doesn't make sense. That just sounds crazy, right? And then somebody introduced me to um, Esther Hicks, um, and there was a, the secret. They, they they did this video, uh, this this film on the secret, and um, Esther Hicks was in the original. But basically, they wanted her to sign a life away, and she's like, "I don't want that." But so she's she's got this thing which is called the secret behind the secret, which shows you how to make manifestation work. And then I was like reading Esther Hicks and like, I need some evidence. I need to know like factually why this works. And then I came across a guy called Bruce Lipton, which is, he wrote a book called The Biology of Belief, which is amazing. And then he's written another book called The Honeymoon Honeymoon Effect. And then um, Louise Hayes, another reader, um, one I really like. So these are these not necessarily business, but it's like mindset stuff. Mm. And um, there's another one book called The Slight Edge, which I really like. Anyway, so that's we have one, that one in the that, office. That's the one that Nikki gave. So so when, when oh, I went to North, really? uh, Rocket, 
Nikki oh, gave everyone or sent everyone. I think it was for Christmas or at some point we all, it was, we yeah. all got slight slight edge. Yeah, because um, we've got it in the office have, and you've talked about told, it a lot and said that I have actually, to read it and so. I haven't. <laughs> but that, <laughs> but I will. that that had a big impact on me as well, mm. actually, and, and obviously that was great. Thank, thanks again for that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. That I was just, that was one I was thinking of as well when you know talking about that. But that was a really inspiring book. What's what is it? Yeah. Slight edge. What's that about? It's cool. It's about just um, tiny things that you can do consistently on a daily basis that will over weeks and months literally change the trajectory of, of your, your world. And like, so one of them is, you know, um, reading 10 pages of a book each day. Now, that's easy to do. I don't know. Like even if you sat on the toilet, you, <laughs> yes. you, you could, you could, you could, you could do it. So it's not not like you have to do stuff over and above, but it's like these tiny increments of becoming excellent um, and just being consciously aware of like how you're being and how you're doing mm. on a daily basis and setting goals and you know sort of being being flexible with them as well. So. And it's called the slight edge because it's like these tiny, tiny things, like 1%, you might do differently, yeah. but times that by 12 months, you're, you were that you were in that tradition. Now you're, you're off on here. I think of it as like a, like, I don't know, like a comet in orbit or whatever. And if you nudge it kind of slightly in one direction, you know, to one, one meter to one side, the trajectory of that will change massively. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's a great explanation, but it's what yeah, made it me is. think of that. So you, so you can make slight changes to things, mm. and but they will have a m- massive impact. Yeah. Um, and and it's keeping doing those consistently. So, yeah, that's no, a very very good one. That. Yeah. So, and then um, I mean another topic of mine. This from a business perspective was um, Michael Gerber's um, why both small businesses fail and what to do about it. Like that for me, when I read that years ago, like I was in a bad place when I came across that book and I'm like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. Cause I was just doing everything myself. And, um, it's how you sort of start to sort of to system systemize e-myth. That's what it's called. The e-myth. So I don't know anything. For, I mean, for me, I believe that our beliefs, um, whether they're good or bad, will create our own reality. So any beliefs that are unhelpful, if you can repattern them, you'll have a different a different reality. So I, I'm like binge binge studying and binge read and train and how to to become, you know, to to, to get get through those. So for me, my 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 thing is about limiting beliefs mm. um, and how to unpick those because sometimes they're so unconscious you don't even know that you've got them it's um but they can hold you back so for me that's anything around that is where i spend a lot of my and my just time for, and but just for, yeah. uh, megan and maybe some of the listeners don't know what um limiting beliefs are could you explain that? Mm. so for example so so you know like um okay i was going to use the, the father christmas analogy so like when you're young like you mm. you believe Father Christmas is real. And then there's a, a time where you believe that that might not My be might totally. Be yeah. way, oh no. Sorry. <laughs> My kids might be listening uh, to this oh down the line. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> might have to edit that But hey, but you know, hey, um, you know, might might not totally be as as he's perceived. Okay. So <laughs> and there's there's two types of beliefs. There's beliefs which are really empowering beliefs, like I can do this, you know, anything's possible. It's just a matter of me learning how or what I need to do. And you know, I you know, I, I can break through anything. So there's beliefs that are really great things that can drive you forward. And their beliefs are really um fundamental parts of our identity too. So if you think about what people believe from a religious perspective, you know, they will drive behaviors and will drive people to do great things and crazy things yeah. because of beliefs that they've got. There's also beliefs um, that are maybe not as useful and we call these limiting beliefs. So things like I'm not good enough. Mm. Um, it's not possible for me to do that. Um, um, oh, you know, I, I'm not big enough. I'm not clever enough. I'm any sort of negated type things. I'm not capable. And these beliefs could be something that you, you, you learn when you were very young. So like one of a limiting belief that I had around money was my parents always used to say, 
going to work really hard for your for your money and money doesn't grow on trees <laughs> and um you've got to add a lot of value if you want to get paid now I, you do but you don't need to kill yourself to work for example so i um i had a lot of limiting beliefs around money like another thing my dad would say is you know if you saw anybody with a nice car for example you go oh an absolute tosser and and it's like because he's just that just like you know the swish get you know and, and I, so i was i've had this belief it's not okay to have money or have a nice car because therefore then you're going to be a tosser and that's just totally <laughs> ridiculous yeah. um so but that was a limiting belief mm. that meant that like we got our business to a certain level for years we couldn't get it so we like kept hitting this glass ceiling because anything beyond that was either unsafe or at an unconscious level or not okay to do that so you then take away that belief change that belief actually it's great if you're you're making a difference and you're having fun and you're adding great value, you can have whatever you want. And then, so that glass ceiling suddenly goes, and it's no longer that. And I think what's interesting is you're talking about how your dad, you know, um, gave you some of those limiting beliefs. But then I think that often a lot of the time it's other people take them away from you as well. So they'll make you change your mindset and change your perspective and change those beliefs. Um, And I just kind of wanted to think about you were talking about your business then as well and, you know, being at a certain point for years. And you obviously, you know, when you started your business, it was just you. And then you've talked, chatted about Katie Lords. Kate, But Katie, when did Katie join? When did Katie come on board? Well, she joined, um, she joined six years ago. We've now right. got a team of 15. We've got a team of 15 now. And, um, uh, but to be honest, we don't, like for us, like we probably... We, we're probably a bit too big. Like we don't need to have yeah. a big, big team, but um, but we want a team that is working in their their flow, so we we can do the bits that we love. So in order to do that, to facilitate what we need for our clients, we need a you know we need quite a lot of other 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 team members. So mm-hmm. and Kate, Katie, like is. Yeah, Matt. Did you meet? You yeah. did meet Katie, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, my, yeah. So my coach on, yeah, oh. excellent. Oh, you know, she's one of the most amazing. positive. She's, yeah. she's one. Yeah, she's one of the most positive yeah. people. She's like a ray of sunshine that comes into a room. Like her, <laughs> yeah. her, her look on life is is totally different to what mine had been. Like she's a she's a a glass, you know, half full on mm. everything. She's just very positive through and through. So is she good and, at changing some of those limiting beliefs that you potentially had then? Was she um, the person that could change that? No, I actually, no. So, right, how do I explain this? Right, whoever you um, have, it, I suppose, within your business, like it's almost, we call this thing like you're in process with mm-hmm. them. So um, so she would have had, you know, so she has like similar things going on in a world, but different different things so there was like a a belief that we both had but we didn't know how to unpick it because we both had it so we actually have external coaches that work with us um mm. and it's kept quite separate and then we then come into our um our business world and we then work together so we don't mm. we will talk to each other and we'll but we wouldn't necessarily coach each other. I don't know if that makes sense. But with with my team, I definitely do coach um, yeah. and mentor. With Katie, not so much. But I think this is a thing. I just you need somebody who's at a higher level need to solve the problem. Mm. I think it was Einstein says you can't solve the problem from the same approach you took it. So you need somebody who's either broken through that level or got results at that level. Um, so we've always sought really people who are way better than us to coach us who've been and done what we needed to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that would be one, one thing. Like, I mean, I was got very lucky that Sarah Basley called me out of the blue. Like she mentored and coached me for like 10 years. She was amazing and then retired. I've never, ever not had a coach who pushes me. And it's like, that's the same as sport, you know. Mm-hmm. You think, why do elite athletes have coaches? Because a coach will push you way outside your comfort zone. And they'll also see things that you don't see because you're so ensconced. I would always, yeah. always have a coach. I w- mm. wouldn't not. And we've got, we've got like mindset coach and then we've got business coaches mm. and we've got like um, 
other people who jump in for certain projects as well. Cool. I like, I usually ask at the end of like a podcast, because I think I'm conscious of time as well. Honestly, we could chat all day, but I am a bit conscious of time. And I usually ask like, what one piece of advice would you give to a young person starting out? But would that be yours? To always have a coach, to have somebody that you can um, look to for your own piece of advice? To be honest, the piece of advice for me would be find something that you love to do, mm. even if you're not sure how you're going to make a living in it and yeah. just become really masterful in that area. Just learn and find somebody who's amazing in that area or just practice, 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 and mm-hmm. but do it in the thing that you love the most because that's where the magic happens. And don't feel obliged or forced to do things that you feel that you should do. Yeah. Go with your heart. Go with your heart. Sounds like a good piece of advice. Yeah. Thanks, Nikki. <laughs> um, it does. I, I also just want to throw in just before we wrap up, just, you know, what's next for you? I know you, when we spoke a few months ago, you said you were in the middle of quite a big kind of project. And I, it sounds like you've got some exciting stuff going on. So what what's next for Centred Excellence? And- yeah. So we're just about to relaunch. We're going to re launch rocket just an update yeah. um which is a major project um we're going to be updating that and just making it even better and then we've got another um program beyond rocket which is for people who really want to create a business where they're like in the top one percent of recruitment businesses globally and not necessarily from a turnover perspective but from like having like the most amazing businesses yeah. that mm. deliver the most amazing service to, to their customers so it's about taking, we call it R1 leaders and getting R1 leaders. So it's like amazing. So those are the two things that we're focusing on. Well, Rocket rocket First R1 leaders is, is, is <laughs> up and running and just just looking at getting that. So it's really awesome. Brilliant. That's the plan for this, this next 12 months. Yeah. Good. Good. That. Thank yeah. you. Well, thanks so much for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you really, both. Really, really insightful. Mm. It was really interesting. Well, it's my pleasure. Well, and if anybody needs, you know, any um, any uh, any information or advice or anything, please, you know, Matt, please feel free to give give out my details. We'll do absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm happy to happy to help. Brilliant. Thanks, Nikki. Excellent. Thanks. See you later. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our Red Talks podcast. Please like, share and subscribe.